want to bring you something that the Lord's given me. I actually want to follow up with uh, some studying that we did a while back. I hope that I can help you tonight understand some things. Uh, I asked the Lord what to do about tonight's service and what to bring, and this is what the Lord put on my heart. I feel like doing uh, part two of the sermon series that God gave me a few weeks ago on growing in God. I believe as children of God, we need to grow. Can I hear from you tonight? We need to grow in the Word of God. Anybody in here like failing God? How many would like to never fail again? Can I see your hand tonight? Never like to fall again. Well, I've got a good answer for you tonight. It's right in this chapter, and I hope that I can help you understand some things and, and give you what thus saith the Word of God. But if you found your uh, place in Second Peter chapter 1, let's stand for the reading of God's Word tonight. <clears throat> the Bible says, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace is what the Bible says, be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as he has divine power, hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him that hath called us, I like that, he has called us <laughs> to glory and virtue. We know virtue means righteousness, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. Now, these next few verses, I've highlighted them. I've marked them in my Bible. And you that are students of the Word of God, you may want to do this as well. He said in verse 4, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye, and every time you see the word ye, it means you. He says that you might be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to the virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, these make you that you should neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But, the Bible says right there, notice that word, but he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. Notice this last part. For if you do these things, you shall what? Boy, you ought to, write, you ought to mark that in your Bibles. Ye means you shall never fall. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you'll open our hearts right now to receive your word. Open our ears of hearing and 
Help us to understand what you would have for us tonight. God, we need to grow as your people. We don't want to be just on the milk, but we need the meat of the word, Lord. We need to understand, Lord, about these precious promises. Lord, if I'm going to grow, Lord, in you, I need to know what these things mean. And God, help us speak through these stammering lips that your word will be glorified and we'll love you and praise you in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. You can be seated tonight. Now, we've noticed in this chapter, if you'll remember back when I taught a couple of weeks ago, y'all that are preached on this a couple of weeks ago, we preached on these first three things, which number one was virtue, and you know that virtue means strength and power. And we need strength and power in our life. Amen? I'm telling you tonight, you have that. If you'll trust the Lord and study His Word, you have strength and power to overcome whatever comes your way. You may say, I don't feel like that I have real virtue in my life. <clears throat> I'm going to tell you tonight that every time when a man or a woman, boy or a girl comes to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, we're all given a measure of faith. And we're to grow on that faith and that virtue that's put in our life, that strength and that power that's in our life. There's not nothing that comes our way that we can't overcome with the help of the Lord. I constantly counsel with people, and they ask me questions like, how can I be a better Christian? How can I overcome? How can I forgive? And I'm telling you tonight, we have strength and power through the Lord Jesus Christ to overcome these things. Now, the Lord don't have a shelf here with jars on it filled with strength and power, and you walk over and get you a jar, and you take that and you drink that down. But he tells us that we can read the Word, and we can eat of this Word, and we can grow of this Word. We can get off the milk and on the meat. Can I hear from you tonight? The Lord wants us to desire the sincere milk and meat of the Word of God. This word will not jump out of these pages on you. I tell you tonight, they won't do you no good sitting on your coffee table all folded up like this right here and saying, I need strength and power of God and look at your Bible and say, I need strength and power. I tell you how strength and power comes tonight is when you open the word of God and begin to read. You may say, well, I don't understand all the these and the thous and all these things. I had a lady call me this week and, and ask me what kind of version Bible that I use. I said, I'm a King James Version man. I love the King James Version, but I'm not so foolish in my thinking to not know that this was written down from the scrolls of the word of God and was interpreted down by man and given to us that we may understand. Can I step out on a limb here for just a minute and tell you it stood good for 400 years, didn't need no changing, and in 1985, they decided to change the Word of God, come up with the NIV that have every kind of council member, even in uh, lesbians on the council that helped put that version together. I'll tell you what we need to do. We need to stick to the old stuff, amen, and trust the Word of God and read it for ourselves and we'll get strength and power in our lives. <laughs> one person said one time, bless God, if it was good enough for Paul, it's for me. <laughs> uh, we need to get in the word of God and read what it really means. Amen. <laughs> Paul wasn't carrying a King James Bible back then. 
<laughs> but some want to believe that. But I'll tell you what, I love the old scrolls. I love how it's been put together. And we don't need to fall under a, a condemnation of Revelations chapter 22 when it tells us, Woe unto them that addeth or taketh away from the words of this prophecy. I'm telling we don't need to take nothing out or try to put nothing in. It's good just like it is. That's free off the press tonight. The Lord told me to give that to you. But we need strength and power we need true virtue in our life. We need some Christians this day of time that can overcome what we're going through right now. I do not have the answers for this country. I do not have the answers for this county. I do not have the answers for this church. But I have the answer from somebody that knows it all, amen. And we'll follow him. He'll show us what we need to do. We can follow his virtue and we can receive strength and power of what we should do. Now, I'll try to go on, but that's a good point. I like to talk about the virtues of God and how good they are. If you'll remember number two, we talked about the knowledge of God. Knowledge brings forth understanding and discernment. And we're to pray for discernment. Did y'all know that? You need to ask God to help you discern the word of God. You remember the writer wrote that we're to rightly divide it? That's not for me to tell you. That's for you to get in the book and figure it out. Not because you think you figured it out, but that you have received virtue and power and revelation of God to understand what thus saith the word of God. Amen? So we must study to show ourselves approved unto God and knowledge is power. I remember as a young preacher, I talked to my pastor when God first called me to preach, and I said, how can you preach like you do? You know so many scriptures. You don't seem like you ever open the Bible and you quote scripture after scripture, and it just comes so natural to you. And, and I knew the power of God, and I knew what he's doing in my life, but I was empty in my life because I didn't have the knowledge that I need. I didn't have the experience that I needed. He said, son, let me tell you, in time, God will reveal some things to you. It comes by studying the word of God. Experience is the best lesson. You, I can tell you all day how to walk with God, but until you fall on your nose and scuff it up real good, you won't learn nothing until you do that. And you'll step over that bump on the sidewalk from now on. You won't trip over it and bust your nose. That's just like a devil, ain't he? He's always putting something in your way to, to trip you up. But when we get the knowledge of God and how to walk with the Lord and filling that virtue in our life, boy, it starts directing our paths then. And we can really get down to the solid meat of the Lord. But in, even when we get that virtue and we get knowledge and we're starting to grow really good in God, here comes the next one. The devil knows that the Lord wants you to learn temperance. He says, I better knock them out before they get it. So here he comes with his bulldozer. You drop into a hole and he's trying to cover you over. I deal with a lot of Christians, and I'll admit tonight I've had to deal with myself of anger issues, not being patient on certain circumstances, not being patient with people. 
And God commands us to have temperance in our lives. What is temperance? It's self-control. A lot of this stuff we're blaming on the devil, we're bringing it on ourselves because we're not mortifying the members of the body. Can I get an ouch? Because <laughs> we don't mortify the member of the body, the mind, the tongue. You know, the Bible talks about the tongue being an unruly member. It's a wicked thing. And we've murdered more people with our tongues than we ever did with a gun. Amen? And it happens every day of our lives. We do it and we don't even realize we're doing it. And the Lord is give us the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Say, listen, you got virtue in your life. You got knowledge in your life. Close your mouth. Quit talking about people and things. I'll tell you what else uh, we're accountable for. It's keeping up with us. You ever been talking about something, Brother Mark, Sister Lisa? Maybe it's a new tractor or some kind of deal for your truck or something like that. You're talking about that. I'd sure like to have that. You'll open up your phone, and all of a sudden it's on your phone. Well, not not chill, send chills all over your body. Somebody's listening. I wonder if everybody knew our conversations we had last night in private, what we'd feel like right now. That's a, that's a heavy thought. It's awful quiet in here. I dare to say we all at one time don't have temperance. And God's will for our life to grow in Him and to grow in God is to have more temperance in our lives. Things happen and, and it causes suffering, it causes hurt and stuff, but that's not where we need to dwell in God. We need to overcome these things. We need to resist the devil. You know what that means? It's to rebuke him in the name of Jesus Christ. Take two steps, I rebuke you, Satan, in the name of Jesus. You take two more steps, and there he is again. I rebuke you, Satan, in the name of Jesus. And just keep on walking. Eventually, he'll get off of that and go to something else. Now, I ain't going to give you no credit, but the devil's on his job, and he ain't letting up. So we need to use the virtue and the knowledge and the temperance of God to grow in him and know what he wants for our life. So now I want to get to the part, the second part of what God has given me for you. As we see in the scriptures, he says there in verse 5, he says, and besides this, giving all diligence, adding to your faith, virtue, knowledge, and temperance, look at verse 6, and to temperance, patience. There's the hard part. We get temperate, but we still ain't got no patience. <clears throat> and the older I get, I have found out I have less patience. <laughs> now, when I was young, I could take on the world, and, and it coming at me wide open. But it seemed like in the last two to three years, uh, my patience has got really uh, little, and it's really hard, and I'm having to pray more about that than anything anymore. Lord, help me on my patience that I may understand what you want for my life. Now, I tell you all the time, you better not pray for patience because it don't come by the Lord saying, here you go, here's some patience. Pat you on the back and send you on the way. 
Patience comes through suffering. But we need to grow in God. Amen? And sometimes suffering brings forth that closeness to God that we need. If we notice in Colossians 4, 6, he said, Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. Think about that for just a second. If somebody was to come up to you right now and ask you what you believed and who you was in Christ, could you honestly answer them? What if they came up and chewed you out and told you you were good for nothing, sorry, a liar, and I didn't believe nothing you had to say? What would you do then? A lot of us would say, well, I'd want to punch him right in the throat. Get mad, get upset. That's what the devil wants you to do, lash out. But you know what? That's not the will of God. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. When I have been falsely accused, done wrong, and I get so pressed down that I can't do nothing about it, you know what times I've had to do? I've walked out to the edges of the door and go, and go on. I've shook the dust from my feet as a testimony against them and give them to God. There ain't nothing you can do about it, no how, but make it worse. Amen? Proverbs 15.1 says, A soft answer turneth away wrath. Grievous words stir up anger. It does. I may have told you this before, and I'm going to give it to you tonight. Me and Ravonna was working in a factory in Johnson, uh, down in uh, Rogersville. And I was working over here welding and, and building airplane parts. And I was tickled to death to have that job. But right over yonder, I could see my wife working on a press that put off 600 degrees making car parts, one right after the other, as fast as she could do them. I'm over here working in the heat. She's over there working in the heat. We got all these people around us. If you ain't worked in that kind of heat, it'll get you real quick. It'll make your patience about that long. And one man was sitting there, and he was working. He'd done machinist work, and he had this big old fan, and it was blowing down the highway for everybody, but he decided he needed the fan. And he was actually blowing towards all these ladies that were making these car parts, which one of them happened to be my wife. He'd go over there and turn that fan around on him. And I'm, I'm over here watching one of them ladies walked back and turned it back around. I'm still watching, saying, help me, Lord. <laughs> he walked back over, boom, turned it back around. One of them ladies go back, boom, turn. My wife's still working the whole time. Finally, he drags it over closer to him, turns it around, and gets it in a position where they can't turn it. I put my stuff down, walked over, I said, I'm going to tell you something right now. You touch that fan again, and these women are going to pass out. I first wanted to say, if you touch that fan again, I'm going to take it and kill you with it. That's what was welling up in me. Is that the will of God? No, but she, she's mine, and I'm about to step up to the plate. And I said, these women are burning down over there, that 600-degree heat coming off that machine, and they need that fan. He said, yeah, I guess you're right. Dragged it back over and turned it back around. And I walked away saying, thank you, Lord, that I wasn't going to be as dumb as I thought I was. 
Now, you all are holier than that than I am because I was going the wrong way with it. But he, the Holy Spirit, for just a second, I let the virtue take over and stop my mouth from causing a problem. Because what I was about to do would have escalated the problem and I would have probably lost my job. And he would have too. See how the devil works? You got to think. Because that's how the devil works. He gets you when you least expect it. He'll put those things in your mouth. Second Peter 3, 9, he says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come under repentance. He's long-suffering with our wrongdoing. He wants to bring us close to him. But you know what God's not going to do? He's not going to grab your arm and twist it around your back and make you serve him and make you not say those things. A lot of people say, well, if they're truly born again, uh, why did they do these things? If they'll, if they'll lean on the virtue and the knowledge that the Lord's put in their life, they won't live like that. They'll want to have a testimony that honors him. But the problem is the devil says, hey, it's better over here. Once you get the vengeance now, you'll feel better about it. And how many times have we fallen doing that? We self-justify and say, you know what? They deserve for me to say that. I need to tell them that. I need to do this. And that's when your testimony gets destroyed. Something I've learned in my 41 years of being saved, it takes a long time to build a testimony and it takes a few seconds to tear it completely down. And it'll take you forever to build that back up again. You ever notice how people, they're the most unforgiving creatures in the world. You can kick an old dog, but if you go over and love on him and hug him up and tell him you're sorry and pet on him, he'll start licking you and he'll be your best friend again. But you do that to somebody else, they'll hold a grudge. They'll never forgive you, and they hold right on to it and say, oh, how I love Jesus. I'm telling you, there are going to be some things that go into the judgment that people are going to have to answer for. You say, well, I don't, you don't know how they done me. What's happened in my life? I'll tell you what has happened. There's a record being kept of everything that's been done. And when we stand before God one day, God's going to judge everything rightly on that day. And they're not going to be as holy as they think they are. God is going to deal with sin on that day. Yes, we're saved. Yes, we're going to heaven. But I'm dared to say, if we're not following these guidelines, there are going to be some things that we're going to answer for. Can I get an amen? amen? The next thing we can see there, the fifth one, he talks about godliness. Well, I think I'm godly. I'm going to tell you now, there's nothing good in me. My righteousness, the Bible says, is as filthy rags. And when we do something, we feel good about it. Boy, I'm, I went to church twice today, and I give a testimony today. I give my tithes to church. I feel good about what I've done. It's as filthy rags. That's what it's like. But that's what we should be doing. We should come humble before the Lord. We shouldn't walk up to the Lord smoking ourselves on the chest saying, how great I am. Amen? I'm giving you something tonight to help you. If we'll be humble, God will bless. 
Godliness means having great reverence for God. Now, I'm about to step out on something, and you can agree with me or not agree with me. This is my opinion. don't have nothing to do with the Word of God. But I'm going to tell you, I just come from the old school. And I do things kind of the old way. Especially this daytime, they tell me I'm old school. I never did think I was old school, but I guess I am. I'm the type of person, I don't like to wear a ball cap in the church house. I don't like to spit on the church property. I don't, I'm just kind of that way. I like to open the door for ladies. I like to open the door and let my wife in the vehicle. I like to be good to her and, and, I, and I like to be good to other people and, and I want to be respectful when I come to the house of God. Uh, I don't like to eat in the sanctuary. And, and I, th- I'd say, I guess if that's old school, I guess I'm old school. But I ain't going to throw no rocks at anybody that does. Somebody comes in here next Sunday, got hair down to here. Some man comes out here, he got hair down to there, got a T-shirt and shorts on, flip-flops, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to love right on him and tell him, come right on in. Get you a seat. You're welcome in the house of the Lord. And when he comes and, and he hears the word of God and he falls under conviction, he comes and gets saved and gets right with God, goes back home, comes back the next Sunday, he's wearing his T-shirts and his flip-flops and his shorts. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to love right on him again. And I'm going to say, let me help you grow in God. I'm going to preach to him. I'm going to love on him. I'm not going to point at him and tell him how he's wrong and what he's doing. If he, the Holy Spirit, can't do it, I sure can't do it. Amen. We need to let the Holy Spirit do its job. Sometimes we get in ahead of ourselves and say, you know what? I think I need to tell him what he's doing wrong. Wait a minute. You're in a glass house. Stop throwing rocks. It's going to get bad real quick. (laughs) You're going to start replacing a lot of windows. But we want to, don't we? The Bible says in Psalms chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall not be like, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaves also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doth, the Bible says, shall prosper. Now, we all got to search out this path. And the Bible says we got to work out our own salvation in fear and trembling of the Lord. And just because you figured out something doesn't mean that you're the only person that's right. We're working this thing out together. Can I hear from you tonight? How are you working it out? Because Mamma told me that's the way it was. She said it was right. No, that's what she told us, and that's what we believe. Then you're wrong. We're not serving God on Mamaw's religion. We're serving him because it says here in the word of God, this is the way it is. And we've rightly divided it. And we said, Lord, show us. He showed us, and God has blessed us to understand, and now we need to stand on it. Amen. But guess what? In 41 years, I stood on some things. And God would enlighten me as I go along and I'd see some other things. And he's constantly teaching me and letting me learn so I can have more virtue come to life in my life. 
the knowledge comes forth. The godliness comes forth. The patience is working. Everything's starting to work together. All of a sudden, here comes a devil like a freight train. Wants to knock you off the path. 1 Timothy 4.8 says, For bodily exercise profited a little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having the promise of life that now is and of that which is to come. It ain't just going to do you good here. It's going to take you there. Amen. We're not working and saved by works. But I'll tell you what, it sure is good working through this thing. Amen. We're learning as we're going through. Heaven's mine, whether I just got saved or I've been in it 50 years. We can always grow in the Lord. I've not met anybody that's fully grown yet. And we need to love one another and be patient with one another. We need godliness in our life. Here comes the next tough one. I'm trying to hurry tonight. We need brotherly kindness in our life. God has blessed us today to have so many visitors in this house today. Have you all noticed in the last three weeks what God's doing? If you ain't, you're sitting around with your eyes shut. Because God's bringing people in. He's bringing them in and he's showing us. If, you, if you'll follow me and follow these guidelines, I'll bring in who you need. I'll do what needs to be done. Well, it ain't this way, Lord, and it ain't that way. Be patient. I'll work it out. And God's doing that. And you say, well, I don't see this one no more. I don't see that no more. God has a way of moving people in, moving people out. We got to be patient, trust God. He knows what he's doing. I'll tell you tonight, Vickers Chapel is not for everybody, but it sure is for me. And if you're not happy and growing in the Lord and you can be happy somewhere else, I'll praise the Lord for you and send you on your way. But I'd love for you to grow here and grow in God. Get excited about what God's doing. Lift up your hands and bless his name for what he's doing, amen. No, we might not be the biggest church in the county. We may not uh, have all the frills and all the buildings and all the things that we, you think we might need here. But I'll tell you what we do have. We've got the spirit of the Holy One that has come down and has visited us. When we watch children walk the aisle for God, broken, weeping, and wanting Jesus in their life, I don't know what else we would want here but that right there going on. We see people joining the church, getting baptized. What else do we we want but that amen give me Jesus and you can have the rest I love to see God at work I've seen so many pastors that are burnt out give out quitting on every hand they've been ridiculed they've been put down and they, they've been falsely accused and, and they've been abandoned and people walked out on them they've been through all these things why has it happened because brotherly kindness has departed from the place but he tells us in Romans 12, 10, be ye kindly affectionate one to another <laughs> with brotherly love in honoring, perfecting one another. I want every one of you to know here tonight, I love you with the love of Christ. And I promise you somewhere along the way, I will let you down. I won't do something the way you think I should. I may not be there when you think I should. 
I may not uh, conduct a service the way you think I should. I may not handle a matter the way you think I should. But I can tell you tonight I love you. And I'm trying to follow the will of God. And I'm trying to preach it hard and hail hard. Amen. You need to get behind the man of God. We need to plow forward for him. Amen. And have brotherly kindness for one another. Amen. We don't want to be burnt out. We don't want to be give out. We want to be excited and see what the Lord's going to do next. While we's almost done this morning, we had already dismissed going out the door, and the Holy Spirit said, Shh, wait a minute, I ain't done yet. That's the problem we got. We get in a big hurry. We got to get out of here. We got to go to the steakhouse or the, or the Mexican place and eat Mexican and do all these things we think we need to do. And we'd be patient and wait on God, have a little virtue in our life, have some brotherly kindness, and watch what God can do. Wow. God done something. Did you really come to church this morning expecting somebody to be saved? The Lord did. <laughs> the Lord already knew that he's going to save Chase today. <laughs> he already knew it. And wouldn't it be wonderful, Brother Johnny, if, if you and I could see Chase grow up and become a man of God? Wouldn't that be wonderful? I'd feel like I had a little part of that. Johnny'd feel like that, and you all would probably feel that way too. You know how we can be a part of that brotherly kindness? is a love on that young man and show him how to love Jesus. That's how you do that. But you don't do it by just ignoring him like, ah, he's just a kid. I'm glad some people took a chance on me, loved on me, encouraged me to trust God even when I was a little fella. And that's what it's going to take, church. we got to have that kind of brotherly kindness. In 1 John 3, 14, he said, We know that we have passed from death unto life. Why? Because we love the brethren. I have folks ask me sometimes, I really don't know if I'm saved. How can I really know if I'm saved? Do you have love for your brother and sister? Do you love the folks that are in this building tonight? I'm talking about that godly love. You appreciate who they are. Have you encouraged them lately? That's the love of God dwelling within you. That brotherly kindness. That way we know that we've passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. And then finally, the best part of it all. I've saved the best to last. <laughs> when we talk about all these things and these precious promises, virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, godliness, brotherly kindness, we get down to the greatest part. All of this wouldn't matter if we didn't have charity. You know what charity is? Love. L-O-V-E. God's love. In 1 Corinthians 16, 14, he said, let all your things be done with charity. Let all things be done. We need to show the love of Christ. I know it's hard. And I know it's hard to deal with people. And different things. You all that work the public and work in public jobs and deal with people coming and going. I know it's hard. And I know it's difficult at times. But try your best to show the love of God. The Bible says that charity suffereth long and it's kind. It envieth not 
and it vanished itself not away. It's not even puffed up. Charity's perfect. It don't, it don't even brag on itself. It's just what it is. It's the love of God. And you say, I don't know really when to share the love of God. Well, if you'll listen real closely and growing in God, if you'll listen to the virtue, the power, and the strength, and the leadership of the Holy Spirit, He'll tell you exactly what you need to do. How can I hear from God? If you'll get real quiet and listen, He's speaking to the top of His lungs to you. Have you all ever noticed sometimes when you're in a room by yourself, everything's real quiet, you ever notice how loud you ever notice that? If you'll get real quiet and listen to the quietness, it'll get so loud that you can't hardly take it. You'll want to get out to, to where sound's at because it's bothering your ear. It does me. But it's in that time when I start talking to the Lord and he shoves out all that and he starts talking to me. How does that happen? It's called getting alone with God, getting and basting in his love, and asking God, speak to me, Lord. Did y'all not hear the missionary that was here? I ain't got over that yet. When he said, we didn't even know where we was going, was heading to a church, didn't know where he was going. He said, I just went and asked God. And the Lord led him to the church without the GPS. Wouldn't you like to walk so close to the Lord that he would speak to you so plainly that he'd even direct your vehicle where it needed to go. Well, that sounds like a fairy tale. No, that's called growing and walking with God. It spoke to me as a pastor. I thought, man, I need to walk closer to the Lord. I asked the Lord for things, but I got so much background noise going on that Brother Terry preached about one time. I got all this going on that I can't even hear God speaking to me sometimes. I've got so enwrapped with the things in my life that have actually stuck my fingers in my ears and I ain't even hearing from God. We get to thinking we got to do this, we got to do that, we got to get this done, we got to get the children taken care of, we got to get them to school, we got to get to the work, we got to do this. And you're thinking on all these things and you're making notes on your phone and you're setting the alerts and, and I mean every second of your day is ding, 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 ding. And at the end of the day, have you even talked to the Lord? What was the most important part of your day? It was talking to the Lord. And we just let it go right by. What we need the most, we're spending the less time with. So God is telling me tonight that we need to get back to basics. Finally, he says in 1 John 4, 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. You can know tonight where you stand. You can know these principles in your life, and they can be evident every day of your life, if you want them to be. Now, you can avoid them, and you can shove them to the side, you know what the Lord will do? He'll step right back and say, go ahead. Somewhere along the way, you're going to hit the sidewalk again and scuff your nose up again. And you know what the Lord's going to do? 
He ain't going to stand over and go, I told you so. But he's going to get you and he's going to pick you right up, dust you off, and say, go on now. You just learned a lesson. You just fell on your nose. Get up now and go on and do what I asked you to do. Let's not be like Jonah. Let's not get swallowed up in a well and find out where we're at then and go, why? How did I get here? It's because we're not growing in God. So tonight I hope that you'll take 2 Peter chapter 1 and you'll go home and you'll try to study and ask God, Lord, would you help me understand what these precious promises mean in my life? Because we need to grow in God.